Let's call out to the Lord one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of our service. Praise God. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. You're a mighty king. Thank you, Jesus, for the plan of God in this service this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's you and you alone, and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. It's you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So before we begin, I would just like to bless you. And uh, when we were at General Conference a few years ago, one of the speakers talked about saying amen. Because when you say amen, that means you agree and you're partnered with that whatever the Lord has to say. So I'm going to bless you, and if you want to receive it, you just say amen at the end. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. And they said, amen. Amen. All right. Call chosen and anointed. That's what we're going to be speaking about. You are called, and you are chosen, and you are anointed. You guys can be seated. <laughs> now, I don't know if you believe that or not, but the Lord has had a theme for the last couple of months, and that theme has been that we are his feet, his hands, his mouth, that the, the harvest is great. He said, don't pray for the harvest, but pray for the labors. Because a harvest is great, but the labors, they are few. So the Lord has called you. He has chosen you, and you are anointed. And if you don't believe it now, by the end of the service, I believe you will believe that. So we're going to go first to John 15, 15 through 16. And I know just last Wednesday, Brother Demuth read this scripture, and he didn't know what I had already written down. But let's read it again. John 15, verses 15 through 16. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of your Father in my name, he may give it you. Amen. All right, now we're, you, you guys can be seated. <laughs> we're going to be talking about, in Judges, we're going to go to Judges um, 6, and we're going to be talking about Gideon. And the Lord laid this on my heart quite a few months ago. He's been speaking to me about this. 
Um, you know, the word of God is endless. And I know many times probably people have been spoke about Gideon. But the Lord just, ra- just laid this on my heart so heavy. You know, in the time that Gideon lived, the Mennonites, or the Mennonites, the Midians, the Amalekites, the men from the east would come. And every time there was harvest time, they would come to Israel and they would gather that harvest. They wouldn't just take their harvest that they sowed, but they would also take their animals, their sheep and their oxen. And this had been going on for seven years. And during this time, after about seven years, the people decided that maybe they were going to cry out to the Lord. And they were going to ask, well, what's going on, Lord? Well, really, they knew they were serving Baal, not God. And because of this, God sent the Midianites and the Amalekites and the men from the east to come and get that harvest. But after seven years, the people were sick and tired of it. And they decided that they wanted to take their territory back. So they turned to God. And a prophet came. And he said, you know what? The Lord God of Israel, he took you out of Egypt. He performed all these miracles. You're wondering where he is. Well, he's still here. And after that prophet came, there was a man named Gideon. Now, you have to understand, after seven years of battle, after they didn't even battle. After seven years of these people coming, the Bible says that they would make a camp, and it was like grasshoppers. And he said that they would bring their sheep and their oxen and their tents. They were going to stay a while. They were going to gather all the harvest that they could gather. And it said their camels were so many, it was like the sand of the sea. You couldn't, even, you couldn't count them. Well, I, you know what? It, for me... If I saw all that out there, I guess I'd have a little fear. I'd be wondering about that army. I'd be a little fearful, especially if they came in and they just took everything they wanted and we would be impoverished for seven years. Fear had gripped the Israelites and they forgot the God whom they served. But God did not forget them. So the Lord sent an angel of the Lord came to Gideon. It says the Israelites had made dens and they hid in caves and when they were threshing the wheat they were hiding from them but the angel of the lord comes to gideon and he said gideon thou mighty man of valor let's read about it in john or in judges 7 3 no we'll go judges 6 11 through 17 and we're just going to read a little bit about this and we're going to talk about it judges 6 11 we'll start And we'll read through 17. Okay. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Orpha that pertained unto Joash, the Abiserite. And his his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all all this befallen us? Where be all the miracles which our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go, in this thy might. Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites 
Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me the sign that thou talkest with me. So you got to understand, Gideon's, he's threshing wheat, but he's in the wine press, and he's hiding. And the angel of the Lord comes and tells him, and he says, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, mm-mm, not me. And the Lord said, you're going to go in your might. And Gideon's like, no, I'm the least of my father. I'm, you know, do you not see I'm in here hiding? I'm hiding. I'm threshing this wheat. I'm nobody. But that was not the plan that God had for him. You know, there are angels all over this building right now. But we can't see them because we live in this world. And sometimes that spirit world is not available for us to see. But God wants us to see through his eyes. He wants us to understand that he has not changed, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we are mighty through him. And, you know, we have a testimony. You have a testimony. I have a testimony. You know, one reason I love to read about the missionaries, one reason I love to read the reports, is because if God can do it for them, he can do it for us. He has never changed. We have changed. We quit believing that he's a healer. We quit believing that he's a miracle worker. But he has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to give you a few testimonies as we go along this journey with Gideon. You know, my oldest son, his name is Quaid, and he was asked to speak one one Wednesday night, and he spoke from this this passage about Gideon. His message was different than what mine is, but um, he's in construction, and at the time they were remodeling a house, and it was just him and another man, Glenn. And uh, Glenn had something else to do, so it was just my son there. And as he was working, he put his Bible on the workbench, and he was just praying. And, and the message he had was, we're never alone. We're just never alone. And he would go out to his car at lunchtime. And one day, the owner, the wife's owner, came to him, and she was talking. And so he was showing them everything that they had done and everything they were going to do. And she's like, well, where's that other guy that was working with you? And he said, Glenn? Well, Glenn hasn't been here. Glenn has a different job, you know. And she's like, no, that other guy. And so my son doesn't really know her. And he's kind of questioning her, like, eh, you know, what is she? Oh, yeah, is she okay? So um, he said, well, she, he said, what guy? And she said, you know, that guy that was working next to you and he has gray hair. And so my son, well, I kind of have gray hair. And she said, no, no, it was that other guy. And he said, well, um, I was showing your, house, your husband yesterday all the stuff that we were doing, and he has gray hair. I know what my husband looks like. No, that other guy. And she said, okay. He said, all right, so tell me what he looked like. And she said, well, he would stand next to you. And every place you went, he went. And he had gray hair, and I don't know if he had a flannel shirt or whatever, but she explained it to him. And so then he turned to her and he said, it was an angel you saw. My son never saw that angel, but for some reason, that lady saw that angel. 
You know, we don't always see, but we do have angels that are with us. You know, Brother T.W. Barnes, he has a testimony of that. One day he was going someplace, and the Lord spoke to him. He had a lot of stuff to do. He was on his way to go someplace, and the Lord said, I want you to go to the hospital. I want you to pray for that man. And he said, Lord, i got so much to do, and I'm already late for this appointment. And, and the Lord said, no, you go. So he went to the hospital. He prayed for that man. I don't even know if that man was awake. And he left. And that was the end of the story for a couple of months. And one day he was walking down the street, and that man came up to him, and he said, Brother Barnes, I just want to thank you for coming and praying for me and for staying with me all day and all night. And Brother Barnes said, what do you mean? And he said, every time I opened up my eyes, you were sitting in that chair in the corner. I saw you. And Brother Barnes said, it wasn't me. It was my angel. You know, we have a mighty God. So when he said to Gideon, you mighty man of valor, he was speaking truth to Gideon. Gideon didn't know that he was a mighty man of valor, but God did. God had a purpose and a plan for his life. You know, sometimes God speaks of things as if they already were before they happened. And when God gives you a word to speak or a promise in his word, you need to speak that. Because when you start speaking that, he will fulfill it. So the Lord tells him what he's going to do. And Gideon says, okay, okay, if you're the angel of the Lord, you just wait here and I'm going to prepare some food for you. He was putting out some, he was fishing a little bit to see if really what the Lord was saying was true. He didn't quite believe it yet. So he went and prepared some food for the angel of the Lord. It was unleavened bread, it was some meat, and it was some broth. He brought it to the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord said, okay, you put that bread and that meat on that stone. You pour the broth over it. And he took his staff and he touched it. And a flame came and it burned up. And then the angel of the Lord was gone. And um, Gideon said, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. He was going to battle, but he had met the God of peace. You know what? There are strongholds in our lives that we don't even know. Fear is one of the greatest strongholds. They had a fear of what they could see. But you know what? There's also the unknown that they couldn't see. And you know what? We sometimes have strongholds in our lives, and I understand what the stronghold of fear can do to you. It cripples you. Strongholds cripple you. There are voices in this world. There are three voices. There's the voice of God. There's the voice, your voice, and then there's the voice of Satan. And you have to determine whose voice you are going to listen to. But if you will listen to the voice of God, he will break down every stronghold. Fear is a tactic of the enemy, and we have seen fear take over this country. You know, this is not the first pandemic that's gone around. I don't know if you've ever heard of Emma Ellis, but she was a pioneer in this. Actually, her grandfather, his last name was Harris, received the Holy Ghost in 1896, I want to say. I'll find it on here because I wrote it down for sure so I would know. 1896, her grandfather was in the army, in the Texas Army, when Texas was opening up as a state. 
And he became ill, tuberculosis he got. So he asked for a leave of absence so he could find a different climate that would be more suitable for him. So he left his family behind. He didn't know if he'd ever see them because he was very sick. So him and a friend went to look for a different place where the climate was better for him. And on their journey, they met a holiness group. And they talked about the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And her grandmother received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And when he received the Holy Ghost, he was healed. So his family was Church of Christ. And his wife was glad that he was healed, not so much about the Holy Ghost. But before he died, he prayed for every one of his children. And the youngest of his children was Oma's mother. She was pregnant with Oma at the time, and he laid his hands on Oma's mother, and he said, Lord, I pray that you would grant me one more request, that the child that my child is carrying would become a preacher. None of his children at that time had received the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name, they had not been baptized in Jesus' name yet. But God fulfilled that promise, and Oma did become a minister of the gospel. You know, We just don't know the power we have. We don't believe that the same God, the Jehovah of peace, can bring us peace. You know, she learned many lessons along her, along the line, and she remembered all the lessons that she, she had learned. And you know, sometimes we like to repeat what the enemy speaks to us. We like to rehearse, we like to rehearse the hurts and the pain and what didn't go right for us instead of rehearsing He's a God of my salvation. He's a God that when nobody else knew what was going on in my life, he spoke a word to a lady over 800 miles away that spoke to my son that gave me the word that I needed. He's the same God that can do it for you. He can heal you. He can deliver you. He is strong and mighty. He's a God of peace. So Gideon... He didn't quite believe it. So he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to put a fleece out here. And if that fleece is wet and the rest of the ground is dry, I'll believe it. Now, I don't know if you've ever had meridian wool, but when wool gets wet, it is heavy. It's like three times as heavy. So he went out there the next morning. That wool was wet. That grass was dry. He took that wool and he wrung it out and he had a bowl full of water. Oh, I guess he is. Well, was that the end of the story? No, Gideon didn't believe it yet. He said, okay, Lord. Now, tonight, I'm going to pull a piece of wool out there. Now, I want that wool dry and the rest of the grass to be all wet. Can you do that, Lord? Of course he can do it. And he did it for Gideon. But did Gideon still believe that he was called, that he was chosen And that he was anointed? No. He didn't believe it yet. So, he does call an army. And people did rally to him. But there were too many. So he said, Gideon, you tell the people that are fearful, that don't believe it, that are afraid. You tell them to leave. So they left. And there were still 2,200 people willing to fight. And the Lord still said, that's too many people. Because if that many people go out to battle, they're going to think they did it, and I didn't do it. So he said, you go drink by the water. The ones that are on their knees lapping it, you send them away. The ones that are 
watching, that are getting the water in their hands and lapping it up like that, you, you, you get them. 300 men. Now you remember, they, all the Mennonites, the Amalekites, all the men from the east are camping and they have, they are like grasshoppers. They have camels that you can't even count. And we're going to take 300 people. But that's all God needed. Actually, he only needed one man. He could have spoke the word, but he has chosen us. He chose man to do his work. The Lord will fight with you. He will fight for you. And he will fight through you if you are a willing vessel to be used of you. He is calling us to be used. He wants us. He loves us. If we could only know the love, if we could only know how much he he is with us and he has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. Well, that wasn't the end of it. There was one more thing that that Gideon needed to hear before he would believe the word that God had spoken to him. So the Lord said, okay, Gideon, you take your servant. And you go down to that camp. So he took his servant. He went down to the camp. And there was a tent. And there were two men in it. And one man was telling the other men about a dream he had. He said, you know, I had a dream. And in this dream, this barley loaf came rolling down the hill and came into the tent. And the tent fell down. And the other man said, oh, that is, that, that leaf, that, that barley loaf, that's Gideon. That's his army. And they knew. They knew that God was coming to defeat them. So Gideon was obedient to the word. He took those 300 men. They surrounded the army. They took their swords. They took their pitchers with their light. They took their trumpets. And as one man, they broke the pitchers. The light came on and the trumpets blew. And the Midianites and the Malachites and the men from the east, They fought among themselves. God wishes to do a mighty work through us. So I'm going to give you a few testimonies of what he did. When Emma went around preaching, the Lord called her to different places. And years ago, people would just abandon their houses. So she came to this one house in this area that the Lord had called her. And they had root cellars at that time because they didn't have air conditioners or fans. So you needed a root cellar. You needed it to keep your food fresh and sometimes it was a place you could go to cool off in the summer like when you have 90 degree weather and no air conditioning and humidity so they went to the root cellar and if you young people don't know what it is it's basically a hole in the dirt with a door covering it with steps going down in it that's what it is and when they went down to that root cellar there were snakes there were spiders there were salamanders there were all kinds of bugs And the people that were with her are saying, no, you can't, you won't be able to use that. And she said, I need that. I have to have that. So she said, okay, we're going to pray. She rebuked the bugs. She rebuked the salamanders. She rebuked the snakes. She said, Lord, you know I need this. In Jesus' name, I curse you. You're going to die. And they went to lunch. And then they came back. And somebody went down there. And guess what they found? Well, they found stuff. They found dead snakes and dead spiders and dead salamanders. They had to clean it out. But she did use it. In fact, she used it for a prayer room in the summer. They never came back. Well, you think impossible. Well, years ago, when they went around to minister, I heard about this couple that went to a certain city, and they needed a house to rent. 
And the only house available, it looked like a nice house, but nobody wanted to live in it. So they said, okay, we'll rent it. So they went to bed that night, and guess what? Bed bugs all over. They turned the lights back on, and their his wife was like, we can't, we can't stay here, we can't stay here. And he said, yes, we're going to stay here. So what did he do? He rebuked the bed bug, and they, they left because that's the kind of God we serve. He's still the same. He is still the same. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives you power and might because you are called and you are chosen and you are anointed. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my testimony. You know, I'm teaching Tammy a Bible study, and I gave her two notebooks. I said, I'm giving you a notebook to write down your prayer list. And I'm going to give you a notebook to write down your testimonies. And every time God answers one of these prayers or he does something for you, you write that down. Because your testimony is powerful. It touches the hearts and lives of other people. It gives other people faith to believe that God can do what he said he was going to do. You know, we all have stories. And you don't always know the stories of those that have come before you or that are amongst you. You know, I didn't, I grew up in a family where my father was an alcoholic and my mother wished she never had children. And she let her children know that she never wished she would have had them. When I was four years old, our family life was up and down, up and down. At the time, my mother and father were, were separated and we lived in Milwaukee, moved to Eau Claire. I was either three or four. But I had a grandmother that made sure I went to Sunday school. She was Lutheran, so I went to Sunday school. I don't remember this, but there's one thing I do remember. One afternoon, I was sent to go take my nap, and I was one of those children that loved to sleep. (laughs) I was born a sleeper, so that wasn't a problem for me. So I went upstairs, and I went into my room, and I remembered this one thing. For some reason, I kept saying to Jesus, Jesus, do you love me? Jesus, do you love me? I said that over and over. I don't know why. Probably something I had heard in Sunday school. And then I heard, and I believe it was like an audible voice that said, yes, I do. And there was a bright light, and I fell immediately to sleep. From that day forward, my life was not the same. Does that mean I always remembered it? No. But I knew that the Lord had his hand on my life. Does that mean everything was good? No. There were bleak and dark moments in my life, but I always knew there was one God that loved me, and I was searching for the truth of his word. I told you a little bit about this lady. Her name was Sister King. I didn't know her. I was acquainted with her a little bit. I got to know her a little bit. But my son and daughter-in-law that live in Kentucky Uh, One time when I came to visit them, uh, they were going to a different church. It was a big church, and uh, or a bigger church than what they had been going to, and they were in helping with the Sunday school, and just my son was preaching off and on. And Anyway, we went, and they had a service, and they had an altar call, and we were all up there praying, and this little lady, and she was littler than me, came to pray with me, and I couldn't really hear what she was speaking into my ear. Because it was noisy around the altar, and I didn't know it was a word from the Lord, because if I had known it was a word from the Lord, I would have told her to repeat it. But I did hear a few things she said. 
She said, you are called, you are chosen, and you are anointed. And remember the promises that the Lord has given you. So when we went home later on, I was telling my son and daughter-in-law about that. And they said, well, what did she say? And I said, well, this is what I could hear. It changed my life. If you will truly believe that God has called you, that he knows your name, that he has chosen you for such a time as this, that he has anointed you, it will change your life. You will be changed. You will be different. Young or old, you will be different. So when my youngest was getting married, none, not very many of you, probably just a couple here, I was going through a very traumatic time. And I never said this out loud, but I just had a prayer in my head, Lord, what's going to happen after this wedding? What's going to happen? There were just some decisions that were going to be made that were going to affect me for the rest of my life. And you know when you just feel like you're out of control and you just, you, you just feel like you are not the one that's going to be able to make the decisions? Well, that's the way I felt. And uh, the wedding happened and it was beautiful. And the next day, for the first time in my life, I was able to have all my grandchildren under one roof. And I was reading them a story before they went to bed. Out of it was some Bible story I was reading to them, and they were all scattered on our bed. And my daughter-in-law comes in and she takes my picture, and I hate that. <laughs> and I love my daughter-in-laws. I have been so blessed. And when my oldest got married, and this was his wife Naomi, she posted some pictures on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook, but she was showing me some pictures. And, okay, this picture that she had of me and my son, I was crying, and it was just, like, horrible. (laughs) And uh, I remember she came to our house the first time, and she said, I had a picture on our piano of them, and she said, oh, I don't like that picture. Could you take that down? And I said, sure. Will you take that picture down on Facebook that I hate? (laughs) And she said, nah. I said, okay, we're good. (laughs) But anyway, she took my picture, and in my spirit, I just wanted to cry out, no. But the Lord said, don't. You just keep reading. So I kept reading. And I didn't know she was putting it on Facebook because I'm not, I wasn't on Facebook. And I I don't really do Facebook. So she put it out there. And she, after the kids were in bed, she said, I have something to show you. She said, I posted this. And as soon as I posted it, Sister King said, I have a word for you from the Lord. And this is what the Lord said. He said, be anxious for nothing. I am the God of all your tomorrows. I hold your future. Walk with me. Allow me to lead you. I will hold on to you, and I won't let you go. Destruction may try to surround you. Again, I say, fear not. I am with thee. If a woman 800 miles away, that knew nothing about what was in my heart or what was I was praying to the Lord, who knew nothing about my situation, who had spoken to me once, had a word from the Lord. I knew it was from God. He sees us. He knows us. He knows where we're at. And young people, I'm going to talk to you right now. You think that the Lord doesn't want to use you right now? Oh, he does. He has a calling on your heart. If it had not been for two young people that went to school with me when I was 17 years old, 
If they had not been obedient to the word of the Lord, I don't know where I would have been. I was searching for God. I would sit in that Lutheran church and I would cry and I would think, God, there's got to be more than this. I'm looking. I was looking for truth. Well, God, he made it happen. I had a geometry class. At that time, we sat two at a table. I was sitting by myself. After a couple of days, there was a boy named Bart. He was transferred to my class. He sat next to me. He wasn't saved. He was going to be. So throughout that year, first of all, he was saved and baptized in Jesus' name. Every day, he would come and tell me. He would tell me something about God. Oh, we had this wonderful service. These hippies came. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. What? What's the Holy Ghost? Wow. And I would just sit there and go, okay. And I don't know. I My husband says I don't have a poker face. I do not. I can't help it. I try not to show my emotions on my face, but obviously I do. So he might have seen a little glimmer of hope. And then JoLynn. She was in my study hall, and so were Bart. So they always talked about God. And actually, they carried their Bibles to school, if you can believe it. So throughout the year, he would tell me all this stuff. And and I had been reading my Bible through since I was 13 years old. There was a lot of drama that had happened in my life. And by this time, there was stability in my life, and I was living with my grandparents. So I could really concentrate on me and not have to worry about everybody else. And so... I was dating this boy, and I don't recommend dating, but this is what I was doing. And um, he was like a jock, and Bart was like a nerd. So they were not in the same realm. But when February came, they were both at the same car wash. And Bart spoke to him and said, we're having a special youth rally thing. Would you like to come to our church tonight? And his name was Mike, and he said, sure. So he calls me up and he said, you know, he tells me the whole story. And I said, sure, I'll go with you. So we go to this old country church because they were building a new church at that time. It had no plumbing. It had an outhouse. So thank God I didn't have to go to the bathroom. And it was winter. And we went. And they started to pray. And I looked for the door. I was looking for God, but I don't know that I was looking for that prayer. That freaked me out. And I had been in a lot of different situations where the Lord had kept his hand on me, but that was freaking me out. And all I could think about, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. Well, we had the service. And after the service, youth leader came and Mike was sitting the closest to the aisle. And he sat next to Mike and he was talking to him and talking to him about repentance. And he wasn't talking to me. And tears just started running down my face. And I kept thinking, why isn't he asking me to pray? Oh, I want to go to that altar and pray. And finally he did. He asked me, do you want to go pray? Well, he knew I wanted to go pray. He could see it, so I did, and I repented. But that night, the enemy was after my soul. And I hardly slept. And I tossed and I turned. And I went to school the next day, and I said to Bart, I'm never going to your church again. We'll never say never. Because God's greater than that never. And as the year went on, Bart kept talking to me, Jolene kept talking to me, and the Lord just laid it on my heart that I needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. We didn't have a baptismal, so we went to Lake Altoona, May 21st, 1973. The water was cold, but I didn't feel it. The poor pastor, he got so cold he had to get out of that water. That night when I came to church, guess what the guest speaker spoke about? 
He spoke about buy the truth and sell it not. Because that's what I was looking for was truth. Nobody knew that. That was my prayer to God. But he knew. And when I walked in that door, JoLynn said, are you going to receive the Holy Ghost? And I said, yes, I am. I had no idea what it was. They had given me something to read. It didn't make sense to me. But I went to the altar and the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. You do not know who you're sitting next to. You do not know who you're walking with. You don't know they're hungry. They didn't know I was hungry. God knew I was hungry. The Lord knew that Gideon would be a mighty man of valor, that he would be obedient to his word. The Lord has called you and chosen you and anointed you. He wants to use you. And I'm going to tell you right now, you young people, I'm just telling you, you don't have a chance. Because it's just not your parents that are praying for you. It's everybody in this building. We pray for all of our children. We pray for everybody that has children here and their grandchildren. You can do it the easy way or the hard way. You know, I was into drugs. It was not my thing. I was not going to do it. I had made up my mind that that's not where I was going to go. And even in that little town of Eau Claire, it wasn't weed. It was acid. It was LSD. And I don't know, I just one day, I, I, I started down that path. My father was an alcoholic, and I said, I'll never do it. My grandfather died of alcoholism. I said, I'll never do it. Well, the enemy said, that's fine. We'll do the drugs instead. And one day, I was standing on a street corner. I was waiting for a bus. I was high, and I thought, if this is life, I'm done. If this is the only time I can be happy, I'm done. And somehow the Lord just put it in my heart. He said, you can quit. This is not the life for you. And it wasn't. I'm going to tell you one other thing that I don't tell people. When I was 15 years old, and I was living with my father and my stepmother, there were like 10 children in the family. My sister and I were the oldest. A lot of responsibility was laid upon us. And my stepmother, she wasn't very nice. She tried to cause problems. I was not able to talk to my brother. My brother and I were very close. I was not allowed to spend time with him. We lived in the same household. It just got to the place where I didn't know what to do. I was reading my Bible every night. And I decided one day when everyone was gone, that I would go. My father had pain pills. I would take every pill I could find in that house. I gathered them together. I took them all. I went out in a field of long grass where nobody could find me, and I laid down. But the Lord, in his mercy, in his grace, sent my dog to find me. They found me. They took me to the hospital. They pumped my stomach. I was hopeless, but God saw my hopelessness. And down the road, when I was ready, he sent someone to speak a word to me because they were called, they were chosen, and they were anointed. Today, I would like all of us to come up front, the ladies on one side and the men on the other, and that includes you young people. Ron